Selling a little or a lot? Shopify helps you do your thing however you cha-ching. Shopify is the global commerce platform that helps you sell at every stage of your business. From the launch your online shop stage to the first real-life store stage. All the way to the did we just hit a million orders stage. Shopify is there to help you grow. Shopify helps you turn browsers into buyers with the internet's best converting checkout. 36% better on average compared to other leading commerce platforms. Because businesses that grow, grow with Shopify. Get a $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash work. Shopify.com slash work. Ryan Reynolds here from Mint Mobile. With the price of just about everything going up during inflation, we thought we'd bring our prices down. So to help us, we brought in a reverse auctioneer, which is apparently a thing. Mint Mobile Unlimited Premium Wireless. Ready to get 30, 30, ready to get 30, ready to get 20, 20, 20, ready to get 20, 20, ready to get 15, 15, 15, 15, just 15 bucks a month. So give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. Okay, ready? Yeah. Hello Egg Chasers, it's the Egg Chasers Rugby Podcast, the podcast about rugby that doesn't take itself or the game too seriously and this is one of two podcasts in your feed this week because it is Six Nations Build-Up Week so we have done a Six Nations preview podcast with Scotland and Sail Sharks, Byron McGuigan, not to be missed. If you uh, if you haven't already, hit subscribe, hit download on that one. Right now we're going to run through very quickly the news and the big stories and some of the rumours that are flying around in the Rugby Week. And I'm doing that, of course. I'm Tim, in the company of JB. Hello, Timothy. And in the company of Phil. Hello, Tim. From the Rugby Dungeon. We've also got a red card report, um, some scandal. Absolute uh, scandal this week. Some real scandal in lower league rugby. Um, and if you want to get in touch with us on that, or anything else for that matter, at Rugby Podcast on Twitter, we're Facebook, Instagram, at, at JBeardmore, if you want to see um, JB's thoughts and picking up former internationals on their on, on their attire and and the and the clothing that they wear for example this week you had a little bit of a you, you um took Brian Moore to task oh yeah i was wondering where you go with this is like what are we talk about haircut yeah i mean you know, it's ridiculous I, 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 you've kind of caught me a bit cold here but yeah Brian Moore decided to wear a hammer and sickle t-shirt which is about as classy as wearing a swastika or maybe a you know, a T-shirt with Pol Pot or Charles Taylor on it. Really. It's, it's it's become slightly fashionable to call yourself a communist, doesn't it? There was that that woman went on Good Morning Britain and went, "I'm a communist, you idiot." Yeah, she's pretty hot though, isn't she? <laughs> <laughs> to be fair, but, she's uh, hot, I like. but but you're right. I, I think there's a, there's a slight bit of ignorance about what what act, what communism did. It killed more people than fascism. <laughs> yeah, it's probably second to malaria in terms of the cause of human death. <laughs> yeah, but no, it's really cool to be wearing it, isn't it? Really cool guy. It's anyway, I didn't mean to go down there, so sorry. Yeah. I was just saying he was at Jay Beardmore on Twitter. I'm at Cocker. Phil is lurking somewhere. Always on a, lurking. On a nondescript Twitter account. Sliding what? into your DMs. <laughs> Not sliding into anyone's <laughs> DMs, but lurking. Watching. Waiting. Right. So we're going to round up the Rugby Week then. Um, we, we're not, we're not gonna Premiership Rugby Cup, do you want to... Talk about not really. Um, so you uh, what, you covered the uh, Chiefs game, didn't you? Yeah, I mean it was it, Bristol put out a good side and and uh, Exeter put out a pretty good side with a few youngsters, and Bristol still couldn't quite get over the line against Exeter. Oh. How did uh, Ollie Woodburn play? 
First game back. Uh, he got through it this time, which is good. Good. Oh, no, actually, I say that. He was sort of looked a bit rough. It looks a bit... I think he'll be all right, but I think he might have had a little knock. But, yeah, hoping, touch wood, uh, that he's back and fit. Good, the, uh, yeah. Because you care or because you're fantasy team? He's not in my fantasy team. Oh, wow. Because he's had... General, the, genuine compassion from Tim Cocker. This, this is his third attempt at starting uh, the season. He's He keeps coming and back and getting injured. He was phenomenal last year as well. Wasn't he? He was on such a good run of form that I was I was convinced he would at some point be called up for England. Yeah, it's amazing. Well, you know, we spoke about England last podcast and actually every subsequent podcast since about Christmas. And if you want to know why he's not called up, well, just read between the lines from everything that I say and you'll know. <laughs> <laughs> yes. So, uh, yeah, Premiership Rugby Cup, it looks like Exeter could get a semi-final. Newcastle could pip them to that. Um, Saracens have got themselves a semi-final and the other semi-finalist probably going to be Worcester so there you go great news that's your semi-finalist a lot of young players coming through and on show and I think it highlighted the the, the quality of the squads with some of the players that were named for Saracens and for Exeter yeah. mm. uh, yeah, pro, so there, there were Pro 14 games as well and we had the Egg Chaser Bowl Yes, we yes. did JB's beloved Benetton and Phil's beloved Ulster I can't believe it so you know, I thought Benetton wouldn't just beat Ulster I thought they'd give him an absolute hiding Ulster got a sneaky way of managing to claw a result from you know the jaws of defeat. I mean, they're, they're really quite good at this. They've got a bit of mental toughness that yeah, they, they haven't do. had before. Or they haven't had, certainly, since I started supporting them <laughs> about four years ago. Mm. Before that, obviously, a lot of mental toughness. Uh, since then, they have yeah, kind so of wilted under pressure a few times. Say, since you and your frail mentality... <laughs> Has met <laughs> my frail mentality, yeah, frail, yeah, my weak willed. Yeah, you've kind of meshed with Ulster. You've come one being now, like a hive mind. <laughs> They've just become weak and frail. Benetton, however, I mean, they have, <laughs> I mean, they have really. I like where you're going with this. Yeah, yeah. Since your enormous in- intellect and, and stubbornness, certainly. Exactly. They they just can't lose. <laughs> They're sitting at second in the table at the moment. They. they I think if this game was played a couple of years ago, I'm convinced that Ulster would have lost that. Um, fair play to coming back, but it sh- it shouldn't really have been in that position. Um, no, you should have been down by a lot more. <laughs> uh, yes, possibly. Yeah, I mean, a lot of people credit Conor O'Shea for what's happening at uh, Benetton, but people who are in the know, they know who really to credit. And elsewhere in the Jonathan Premier League, well, wasn't the did, did the Kings manage to beat Edinburgh? No, they lost in the last second. What? I thought they won. So, so they, uh, I'm sure. I'm, I think they won. Yeah, yeah, they definitely won because um, otherwise Edinburgh would be second, and they're not. King, uh, oh no, they did. Sorry, I thought I read somewhere that it's um, an outrageous result for Edinburgh. Yeah, because <laughs> they put wow. out a decent see, team as well. But did you see the Kings score though? They had like one try, which will probably go down in history for being so so nice. Was that the one in the 77th minute? Yeah, the offload. Yes. Nowhere. Which was possibly forward, uh, yeah, but it was a hell of a yeah, try. Yeah, yeah, yeah. For tries like that. If you've got no skin in the game, for tries like that, just let it go. Style points. Yeah. So there you go. There's a bit of uh, domestic rugby. We now have, well, the, the Premiership Rugby Cup this weekend. There's the other derby games. There's three more fixtures. There's no Pro 14 this weekend, is there? Or is don't there? I don't think know. so. No, there's not. And we have to wait until the 17th of February for the next Premiership. So long. Rugby. The Premiership's so good and you've got to wait so long for it. 
so so wholesome and satisfying. But then <laughs> we just got to savour the Six Nations because you can have too much of a good thing sometimes. So some of those weekends where you end up in the autumn, where you end up trying to watch ten different international matches. Yeah, amazing. And Premiership games. Uh, yeah. So when we first started doing this podcast, right, there was no two ways about it. Six Nations was king. I now think autumn is king. Personally. Really? I do. I love the autumn more. I used to hate the autumn as well. I used to really hate it. I thought it was a waste of time. So, I do enjoy autumn. The problem is, in the Six Nations, every single week there's games that just matter so much. Because you only get the five opportunities to win, win the damn thing. Mm. And it's you've got, as you always say, you've got all the historic rivalries, the kind of local geographical yeah. rivalries. Now you get, you do get that. Because say, England-South Africa or... England, New Zealand, those kind of games. Or I, I mean, Ireland, New Zealand was the biggest game and has been the biggest game for, for like the last three or four years yeah. in the Autumn Internationals. You do get that kind of thing, but because there's no there's no narrative from week to week to week other than the J, the yeah. J, the JB Cup, of JB course. JB Cup's in play, of course. But they're not they're not all <laughs> going for one thing. So I do prefer the Six Nations. I love it. I love it as well. I, I don't get me wrong. I, I do love it. As an England fan, I just love how much the other nations love to hate England. It, it makes it so much more enjoyable for me. I don't. I, I don't think you're right. I mean, maybe some. I don't know. Of course, they do. Yeah, I was thinking. Talking they all just, do, and I love that. I was talking personal experience. I actually think that Irish might soon become the most hated nation. See, I I love to. Maybe it's because I've got the uh, kind of. Ulster support. But I love to love the Irish because they're such a they're such a good team and they're they're so well coached. They've got such brilliant leaders. Ugh, and I'm going I'm going to I'm going to give you a perfect illustration of this. So what I understand to be the case in the what World Cup was it? 2011 World Cup when there was the dwarf tossing incident in a bar. Oh yeah. Yes. What I understand to have happened was England were in there. Dwarf tossing, yeah, getting, yeah. getting hammered, kissing girls, <gasps> pictured in tabloids and stuff. Mm. And that was horrible news and they brought the game into disrepute. Yes. Apparently, so I understand, Ireland were there only days before. and Dwarf tossing? Were up to all sorts of shenanigans and everyone loved them. Hang on. Because, you, because, it's retro- be- because <laughs> it was Ireland. Are you retrospectively snitching? <laughs> no, I, I'm, I'm highlighting. I'm highlighting the world's attitude to England. You are. This is unbelievable. When You're England... grassing up the island team from five years, <laughs> they got ago. away. They got away with it for they so long. They got away with it. I mean, eight eight years. Got to account. Eight years. No, I'm. Ju- I'm. I'm just saying that that is oh my word. that is the world's attitude to England, and you <laughs> know what? Like it's deserved. It makes it makes it all the more enjoyable for me. That's why I love the Six Nations rivalry. Exactly as Phil said, they just come around once. Once every now and again. I see that they've tried to do that with the Premiership Rugby Cup with the Derby weekends, and that's added a little element. You know, you've got the King of the North this King uh, of the this, North. this weekend, Steve Diamond versus Dean Richards. Yep. Um <laughs> I mean it's obvious who would win that one. Um Yeah, great. I mean, it's hard to get excited That would that would Cup. be a good even fight, that one actually. I don't know. Dean Richards is a big, Dean, he's he's a a big man. boy. His fists are about the size of my head. Yeah, he's <laughs> a he's a big some do you think that big fists result in harder punches? Uh, you're spreading the force over a greater surface area. Correct. That's, that's always what I've thought. So do you know when people say, oh yeah, he's got big fists? I'm like, well, that's no good because, <laughs> you know. You've got tiny little fists, yeah, but lots want, of force you, behind them. You want stiletto fists, right? But also, <laughs> you, you need mass as well, though. No, this is, this is the other part. 
right? Because you want Ma- base- mass times force. No, force, force equals mass times acceleration. Yeah. So I'm just yeah. You know, I'd I'd love I'd love to know what the equation is. Is there an optimum size of hand? Well, you know, really, big, really dense, so small, but weigh a small lot. Small stiletto-shaped hands <laughs> is what you want. Heavy, the, made of made, lead. Yeah, made of lead. <laughs> yeah. Interesting, well, though, isn't boxers it? Boxers have massive hands, don't they? Well, that's what they always say. Like, he's got, like, massive hands. Uh, you know, you could punch through walls, blah, blah, blah. I think that, that doesn't make sense to me. <laughs> <laughs> so this is like the, uh, the sort of fighting equivalent of how much wood can a woodchuck chuck. It's like a... We need to, we need some scientists to actually work this out. Exactly, exactly Please. right. So we get on the case, right? So there's been all sorts of rumours flying around this week, hasn't there? Just hasn't there? Just I mean, it must have must have come as a, as a surprise to you when you woke up one morning to find that Joe Launchbury was rumoured to be going to Sail Sharks, Jay. Goodness me! I mean, rumoured I... rumoured to be at Sail Sharks well, that, I, that I, very I day. I, that's a bizarre, bizarre accusation. Because he's in Portugal. He was, he was I mean, in like, Portugal. Who, yeah. who would publish that story without doing their hang on, hang on, hang on a minute, hang on a minute. Hang on. Uh, so when I heard that, I've got to say, I was genuinely intrigued. And also, yeah, I think it'd be a great signing for any club. Sale included. And actually, you know, his name has been linked to Sale quite a lot. Uh, turns out that isn't the case, though. So, but what? So then, why was he? Why was he named as being in Manchester when he was actually training in Portugal, and named as being about to sign for Sale Sharks when he's come out and said there was no interest? I just guess some people got it wrong. Um, but on the other hand, uh, you well, know, he, he has... I always say, what's the story behind the story? But, well, I mean, yeah. there's always a story behind the story, isn't there? Uh, I would just say that um, he'd be he'd be a fantastic signing for anyone. I, I can't see him re-signing for Wasps. A lock is definitely someone that Sale Sharks w- Yeah, they've been after w- a world-class lock for ages. So, but, I mean, apparently they've got a couple coming. Is, and... is, is there a good world-class lock that Joe Launchbury looks like that he could have could have been mistaken <laughs> for? Not that I know of. Not that I know of. Uh, but, yeah, I mean, Sale need a world-class lock. They've openly stated they're after one. Joe Launchbury fits that um, profile. Makes sense that, you know, that might be linked. Uh, other rumours, London Irish opening the checkbook for... It looks like now, that. These are fascinating rumours. Pad, Paddy Jackson for eye-watering amounts of money. Adam Coleman, the Australia lock for eye-watering amounts of money. Latest rumour, Waisaki Naholo. That would be a hell of a signing. Um, especially oh, for your yeah. fantasy rugby draft team. But I, no. I, I, we're having the debate before the pod about um, value in signings and yes. whether locks represent value. Certainly the money that's being talked around for some locks, and we'll come on to Mario Toji in a, a short while. But wingers as well. So you need great finishers. You need people who can consistently get over the gain line. But is the drop-off that great to justify spending as much as you know, is being kind of enough, talked about? I actually think wing is one of the places where you could get value the reason being is they get the ball so infrequently like when they do you need to do something immediately every got time to do you something. get it yeah. you've got to do something not everyone can and also look at the example Bristol set I think uh, Moynihan at Bristol is probably worth you know five or six league points for for them because he can finish at Peertown I thought that was a horrible signing like loads of money for something you don't need uh, a luxury Frankly, but no, I was completely wrong on that too. Well, Piatau is an interesting one because he is. I love Piatau. Yeah, absolutely love him. She played much yet. Is he worth a million pounds? Uh, He's alleged. Is he? Is he worth eight hundred to a million pounds? Well, the original thought was not, not to Bristol. Yeah. Yes, he is worth a million pounds to somebody, but not to Bristol. 
again, I think I might be wrong on that because I think the way Bristol play, it looks like yeah, he'd be perfect he for is, them. He is perfect. He fits right into that Pat Lamb philosophy. Now, I would ask another question, right, which is if you look at the players linked with Irish, if Paddy Jackson wasn't available in the way that he is, would he be worth nearly that amount? I don't think so. Well, so he would be because you'd have to be having to prize him away from Ireland. So he would mm. he would command arguably a higher salary because he would be but unavailable. Is, but there is no way on earth, right? Paddy, I mean, what is Paddy Jackson? He's... 26. 26. And in terms of the quality of play he provides you with, I mean, would he be a top five fly-off in the Premiership? Not he, far off. Yeah, I think he would be. I, he, well, I think the, fact, he was... the fact he's available 22 rounds, as, as long as he stays fit, 22 rounds of Premiership games... It's that's that in a World Cup year as well. That's yeah, it's huge. Rare, it's the rarity, isn't it, of that's being able huge. to get a guy and be able to shell out money to get a guy. Yeah, because they're all tied up. I guess that's the big difference. Yeah, I mean, but I don't think he's any better than AJ McGinty, frankly. In fact, I don't. Uh, I think he's worse. I actually think he's much worse. So I, um, I think he's. No. I think he's. You're wrong. You're very, very hundred percent wrong. On he, our opinions let, wrong. Oh, yes, yes. <laughs> there are such let, let, wrong opinions. Let's not forget in the Chicago, New Zealand win. Um, and that autumn wasn't he the backup? No, uh, Corby was. I can't remember then. He nope. he he, is, he was. Oh no, hold he was on. Actually, I'm thinking of the autumn before. Yeah, he was actually pushing Sexton yeah. when when he was. Yes, that's right. Only kind of twenty three, twenty four. Never really pushed Sexton. He, no, he, he was, was. He was. He was close. I, he he he, close. he he established himself, and it was the first time that Sexton's been the fly half when we were able to say Sexton gets injured. Obviously, they're going to miss him. However. They've got someone who can come in and do a job. Maybe because he's been on the international pitches for so long. Yeah. They might not be remembering it quite correctly. I do think, though, it was more Ireland wishing and pushing him and hoping he would be a, re- a reasonable number two because they're so dependent on Sexton. I, I, either way, he's available. I think if they get him for 600k, it's not a good way to spend your money. There are better ways to do it. I See, I think that kind of money for... Because there are so few available players that can do what he can do. I mean, would you bet the Madigan? Oh, yeah. Yes. Definitely. Definitely. The Madigan must be on some, he'll, some he'll good be on, money. Yeah. Madigan will be on good money. Yeah. Jackson is worth it for me. I, I would spend that money on Paddy Jackson. I'm not going to get into the other stuff that some yeah. people would, would, would start piping up about. As, as a rugby player, 100% yeah. he is worth that. Bearing in mind he's going to be available... As long as 22, stays rounds. 22 rounds of premiership that's massive and every side that's gone down has has had a, a big hole at fly half and Newcastle are there who's the best fly half to go down Carlos Spencer no well, he, he, he signed afterwards Andrew yeah, Mertens Andrew Mertens yeah, yeah that's a good chat wow <laughs> but, but look at but no generally look at Newcastle now Joel Hodgson was the the informed number one fly half at Newcastle goes gets injured Toby Flood's been in and out of four man injury and look where they are Yep. Yeah, that's true. Went. Who was who was Northampton's fly half then when they went down? When Reason uh, when... would he still been playing? Oh, two thousand. Grayson was my my no. Grayson, I believe. Well, Ray Harner was play. He was wing he was or fullback. Full I think Grayson and Budge Pountney were the coaches that that sent them down. If I remember mm. correctly, and I often do remember correctly. <laughs> just saying. And Wayne Smith was the coach before those two. I don't, I don't remember who the fly off was then. No. Shane Drawn? No, he was at Bristol, wasn't he? No, he did uh, Worcester and he did Northampton. Shane Drawn was definitely at Bristol. I played against him. Really? Yeah. Shane Drawn was like Waratahs, 
I'm going to, I'm going to check this. I'm sure I played against him. I'm sure he was in the team when I played against Bristol in a pre-season game. So, no, because he would have come over from the Waratahs. He went to Northampton, then went to... Maybe he went, when we had a spell at Bristol. We definitely did Worcester. Shane Drama, so with that. He definitely did Northampton. I'm sure I played against him. He was in the same team with Bristol Shoguns. There you go. Ah. 70, 70 appearances for Bristol Shoguns. Oh, so quite a lot of appearances. Uh, nine appearances for Northampton. Uh, and Worcester? Uh, not, it doesn't tell me how many. Hold on. What? Huh? No, this 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 must be all wrong, because this says two England appearances. Shane Drawm? That, that's got to be absolute bollocks. <laughs> that, that, that would be, that'd be astounding. And he, he was he not... Drawm qualified to represent England on residency grounds and was capped twice in 2006. That cannot be real. Wow. Shane Drawm did not play for England. Sounds like he did, mate. Um... I wonder if it was Churchill Cup. Wow. But I did definitely play against him. He played in that team. Sorry, I'm not, 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 not name-dropping. He played in this... It was, I got absolutely ruined playing opposite Ben Sternham. The Saints squad for Premiership in 2006-2007, which was the season they got relegated, Carlos Spencer was there. So I wonder if he joined partway through the season. Maybe. Anyway, it's so, him, or, him or Mertens yeah. to answer the original question before yes. we got so, slightly distracted. London Irish are chucking crazy cash around. I think it's a smart move from them because they are... I mean, I don't think Adam Coleman's smart money. I, it, I, it depends how much it is. It's, how much all, it's all about value. If the, if the numbers that, that I'm hearing, are, uh, but then I'm not sure it is. But they need quality players. And what's more, I think if they make a statement with their signings and make an impact in the way that Bristol have, then it makes those conversations about ring fencing much, much more uh, likely to, to happen. Uh, those, Which is in their interests, if not... Yeah, those, those conversations will just continue to happen. Yeah. Um, there was some other news this week. There was a few um, signings or re-signings. re-signings. So Exeter have done a fair bit of business. Some of their kind of key stars, key homegrown and uh, brought in talent. Whilst we re-signing. were on the podcast last week, that, that there was a couple news bust open, last week. It? Itoje has re-signed this week in one of the most interesting stories of the week, mm. purely because of the number that's been thrown around. Yeah, so tell me what the number is, because I don't know anything about the number. The number that I've read in a couple of places, and it's one of these where if someone, if someone says it, it normally gets kind of parroted around... The number, take it with a pinch of salt, is between seven hundred and fifty thousand and one million pounds, which is per year. Per year, which is phenomenal. Now, obviously, for that he would be their marquee player or one of their two marquee players, alongside maybe Owen Farrell, maybe Billy Vanapola, aside from maybe his, Vincent Cock. Oh God! Aside from um, his playing on the field, which no one will dispute, is immense. How do, can they monetize him? Well, can they can they claw some of that back? Yes, it should be the answer because I know he has endorsements with Adidas, with Vitality, with all sorts of people. Uh, so he, he'll make another. He'll make as much again. In, yeah, in, in endorsements, I imagine in, endorsements, and then obviously his England appearances. Him, do they own? Don't know. That's the don't thing know, me, but because do they get a cut you, of the do they get a cut of the Adidas money, for example? I don't know. Okay, don't know. so for example, there are certain clubs in the Premiership who are accused at the moment of not paying their image rights. Now um, that tells me that the clubs are ah. buying the players' image rights to sell. But does that mean that, say, for instance, a sale sharks 
Does that mean that they could, can... Could just to pick any team. Well, yeah, right. Does that mean that they can get their players and say, hey, if you do a deal with Sale Sharks, we'll throw Chris Ashton on the on your front cover? Or, you know... Or does that mean that every time Chris Ashton does a deal, that they get? I think I think that might money. be I think that might be part of it. When you sign a a, a corporate deal with a client, a, a, a sponsor, or a, or a client or something, you will have written into the contract X number of player appearances, things like that. Yeah. We we will supply a player at every uh, to come around and visit your table in your corporate hospitality box at every home game. But then, how does it interact with the England cash? Because you know, if you're in England, you know, England will obviously want to put their stars into places too and England have their own sponsors which players get a cut of and what, my point yeah. being Maru Itoji will be an unbelievably independently wealthy man if that those number well whether those that number is correct or I not I suppose the other thing I mean, thing is would you go would you go to a stadium to watch Mar- Mario play Um, I think he will so the way I was going to address that first question was I think Maro alone even taking other people out of that team other big star names I think he will attract people to the game because he is such, he's, like, he's talented okay. and marketable. So imagine that you're a young kid, yeah, and your hero is Mario, or you've heard of Mario and you think, oh yeah, I really want to watch him play. If you watched him play, I don't think you would come away thinking Mario is my hero. You might think <laughs> Alex Good's my hero or Owen Farrell, but like Mario doesn't do that sort uh, of thing. It's he so, does. He does. For, not, for, really, it, right. not not the same. Not well, the same as some, but he does it more than just about any other lock. Yeah, any other lock. I mean, I mean he's, he's scored a 50 metre try the other day, ripped the ball off a player midfield and just gallops in. Yeah. I, how I, many, how many other players saying, do right? that? It's kind of like, let me put it another way. It's like playing, it's like paying an, on, a, on an offensive lineman in the NFL, big bucks. They're absolutely worth it for the team. They're worth it for, you know, how successful the team is going forward and that drives the crowd. But nobody goes to an NFL game to watch the offensive line play. And I kind of think that's the same with Mario. Well, I'll, I'll put it like this, in that sense. Um, I was thinking about this the other day when I was thinking about this podcast and getting nostalgic about the Six Nations. Six Nations used to be on one of the the terrestrial channels when there was only four television channels. Mm. When there was no street, no Netflix, no Amazon Prime, nothing like that, no YouTube. So there were four things you could watch on a screen, visually, and rugby was on one of them. Yeah. That, that was massive. As a result, if you asked any per, anybody that isn't a massive rugby fan, name a rugby player, they will say Will Carling. Yeah. yeah. Brian Moore, Johnny Wilkinson. Guscott. Communist Go- Brian Moore. Guscott. <laughs> Guscott. Yeah, they'll say names that they remember either from the 2003 World Cup, and that one's probably only Martin Johnson and Johnny Wilkinson. Yeah. Or they'll name people from the era when rugby was on the telly when there was only four channels. Maru Itoji is probably the only modern player that the average non-rugby fan might have seen or heard of. That's it. Uh, that, and that, that probably says everything about is he worth is it what what's he worth because yeah. yes he he has a he has a market value to potential clients for Saracens that is over and above any other any other player. That must be by a mile. responsibility, you know, because yeah. if you're not particularly chatty and I don't know if he is or not. I mean, very you, intellectual. Have you ever heard him? Have you ever spoken to him? I've interviewed him, uh, like post match interviews, a few times. He's incre- He's ve- he's got a very confident, laid back swagger. Yeah, I've never really heard him speak. I yeah, no, I've, I've heard a, a couple of interviews. I think I've heard you interviewing him, Tim. But he, he always comes across as yeah. I think calm, calm, confident, like an animal on the field, but a very calm, cerebral bloke of it. Yeah. yeah so what I was going to say is a lot of responsibility because like if. 
You just happen to be a phenomenal rugby player. It must be very hard then to turn into corporate mode and then go and hobnob and be expected to public, publicly speak and be the face of vitality and the face of the club. And... What, doing the, doing those model shoots uh, with that woman uh, on uh, the beach? Yeah, yeah tough. that, and, and that I, looks I, tough. I tell you who kind of really epitomises that is Owen Farrell. For as important as he is, he's rubbish at that kind of... I mean, I'm not saying he's absolutely rubbish, but he doesn't like doing it. He doesn't like doing it, no. Yeah. He'd, he'd rather just focus on the rugby. And I'm sure Marrow and all players would. But anyway, my, that was that was my no, general point. No, not all players. That, no, no, not all players. But that was that was that was my point linking in with the Six Nations is he is actually one there's not I, I can't think of another rugby player which non rugby fans would know. Johnny Wilkinson would be the next one. Well no, exactly, yeah. but currently yeah. currently Let's playing. See. Yeah, yeah. Who's currently playing that any that rugby play, that non rugby players would know? And this is a genuine thing I think we need to confront as rugby yeah. when, 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 when... No, 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 because... You, you th- earn your stripes. No, 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 totally. But what I mean is, always remember how small rugby actually is. Yeah. Well, they say that... Uh, hmm. Rugby's got a problem in that we are trying to reach new markets and yet nobody in rugby seems to appreciate the different ways to which you reach new markets. I think some of the clubs clubs are getting it. But in general, the way that rugby is communicated through the media, it's just not good enough. And that's why it's not getting to new markets, because people can't get the information. The information they do get is all rather samey, and it's all kind of, you know, but, it's all rather bland. And I guess my point on that would be, actually, before we start going, right, let's go and crack China, and I'd sort of go, hold on, could we convert, could we get domestic club crowds up to 20,000 rather than 10,000? Mm. And that that doubles the scale of the game in the UK. Yeah, I, I think it's a, I honestly think rugby is a communication issue. We need to showcase it. Not the, sh- the sport itself doesn't need any more showcasing. Doesn't need any, any more fireworks. Doesn't need any more rule changes. You just need to get more eyeballs on it. And you a bit need more to DJ get... Spoony would ne- wouldn't go amiss. <laughs> you know what? That's probably not a bad idea. But can you imagine the powers that be? I mean, they don't even like it when the kickoff moves from three o'clock. Let alone, let alone when DJ Spoony. Uh, moves in it's a communication through the media the media just do not do a very good job of promoting uh, rugby because most of the time they're whinging about it rather than you know doing well actually that's not a good good example but doing what the NFL does and the people who cover the NFL who are basically always saying what a great product it is you never get that that in rugby it's always negative so from one re-signing in uh, Maru Itoji one of the world's most valuable players uh, certainly by the kind of speculated value of his uh, most recent contract to another incredibly valuable player, incredibly valuable player as JB pointed out on Twitter and that was the enormous news that Will Cliff yeah you must, you must be delighted JB yes, as a, as a sale uh, fan I think uh, certainly a guy who would uh, be uh, putting pressure to start in any other club just well just well, so, so you you you, you said he would start in, in the world. So. You, you said he would start in most hey, clubs. Was that was that he most? Would, he would start was that, was in most that, other clubs. Was would, that, was, is that get, most? If you take the most to be the majority of all I English rugby would, clubs, he or would, he would get a lot, <laughs> or Premiership alone. <laughs> he would get a lot of st- a lot more starts if he was not behind the best scrum half in the world. So, just on your original point, as Tim has just said. Do you think he would start for most other clubs? I think I think he could start a lot of games. Yes, he could. Start. <laughs> Are you just practicing to be a politician here? I, 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 you know. Could could we just add right? So this is this is the thing, JB. Just... I I understand you have a great relationship with Sale Sharks, and I think that's fantastic. Oh, thanks, Tim. <laughs> thanks, mate. But if if you make statements like and and Will Cliff, solid squad player, 
Could get a lot of starts elsewhere. Good, good bloke. <laughs> could, would be, could, would, could get starts would be elsewhere. Pushing, I agree. Would be pushing. But when you say statements <laughs> like he would start for most other clubs, well, look, he signed as a starter, and you know, then Sale did fifth clerk. Otherwise, he would be starting. And I think you know. So in, which which scrum halves would he start ahead of? All of them. Kobus Ryanak. All, yeah, all of them. Uh, no, look, he, and that, you know, he's not in those situations, so it'd be impossible to sell. But if he was... Nick, Nick White, if, Richard if Wigglesworth. If he was competing with Nick White... Ben Youngs. Sure ben White, Youngs. Ben Youngs would certainly... Well, he'd certainly be... Danny be, Kerr. Be, 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 feeling, be feeling the heat left, right and centre. They'd all be feeling heat. Okay, <laughs> um, what, one other scrum off that got mentioned this week by Eddie Jones in the press conference is Harry Randall of Bristol. Mm. He didn't actually name him. He said, oh, they, they'd go out from Bristol. He's, uh, <laughs> he could be one for the future. Mate. Which, which means he probably is. Yeah. Uh, I mean, as much as I slate Eddie Jones for various things, mostly or sometimes unfairly. He likes going through scrum halves. But he also well. loves spotting young talent. Yeah. He's bloody brilliant at that. So if Eddie says he's going to be a good player, my guess is he will be. Yeah, you must be disappointed Marcus Smith isn't in the Six Nations squad, given he's going to be starting for England in the World yeah. Cup. Yeah. He's yep. got a lot of work to do. <laughs> a lot of work to do. A little bit of work to do. Millions of people have lost weight with personalized plans from Noom, like Evan, who can't stand salads and still lost 50 pounds. Salads generally for most people are the easy button, right? For me, that wasn't an option. I never really was a salad guy. That's just not who I am. But Noom worked for me. Get your personalized plan today at Noom.com. Real Noom user compensated to provide their story. In four weeks, the typical Noom user can expect to lose one to two pounds per week. Individual results may vary. Millions of people have lost weight with personalized plans from Noom. Like Evan, who can't stand salads and still lost 50 pounds. Salads generally for most people are the easy button, right? For me, that wasn't an option. I never really was a salad guy. That's just not who I am. But Noom worked for me. Get your personalized plan today at Noom.com. Real Noom user compensated to provide their story. In four weeks, the typical Noom user can expect to lose one to two pounds per week. Individual results may vary. Right, uh, I'll tell you what, going on when you said you talked about the sort of negativity around rugby, that JB, that actually links in a little bit with one story. And you were talking about how, how to grow the game to have a bit more positivity and stuff. One blight on rugby over the last couple of years, last few years, and oh. it's been building and building. Is it Twitter? It's been building and building on, <laughs> on Twitter as much as anywhere else. <laughs> is uh, All of the politics and the scandal around the tackle height and high Ooh. tackles and concussions and the like. Time. And we've seen the RFU put into place a an experiment to try and alter the tackle height. And I just want to take people back to when this was announced and in the Championship Cup. Uh, it was announced what at what we said about this, where they were going to say tackle height was going to be lowered, so it's chest height, nipple height rather than neck height. What did what did we say unanimously? Uh, increase concussions, please. We we said it would increase concussions yeah. due to the law of unintended consequences. So I I didn't say it would increase concussions. I said I would be interested to see what happens. You're far and wiser, I, and I would be worried about potential unintended consequences. Okay, I, I never, I never said that actually. Um, I said it, it would hands down result in more head injuries. Um, now there is actually conflicting evidence on this. Okay, so 
Oh, so so just to, if you so, haven't if you haven't seen yeah. the story, yes, they, the RFU have now scrapped that for the knockout stages because um, the evidence from the pool stages is that it's nearly doubled the level of concussion. It was a sixty-seven percent increase. Sixty-seven wow. percent increase okay. from an from an average of 0.6 per game to an average of one one per concussion game. per game. And the way that the concussions have been being caused is what they were concerned about was two high players, a high ball carrier and a high tackle clashing heads by lowering the tackle height what they've done is made collisions with two players bent at the waist much more prominent and when you when they've, is that anal- what they've said and what yeah and when they've analyzed game footage uh, what they've found is that the body height of ball uh, the body height of tacklers is lower and as a result because it's instinctive you want to kind of fend and you you, yeah. don't, you don't then want to just like run with your waist at someone's so, shoulder do you think so, so you don't want to run with your waist yeah. at someone's shoulder. So the ball carrier is dropping their height to meet the meat and potatoes of the of the player, and as a result, head collisions at a lower height. Yeah, agreed. I actually think high tackles are probably good for the game. Bear with me. <laughs> Interesting. Like, what I mean by that is, I when I play rugby, I'm a naturally high tackler. Um, yeah, I don't get in a good 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 bo- good body position. I tend to tackle high and wrap high. And as a result, I don't hit particularly hard, and I certainly don't damage myself. I don't mean high shots as in, you know, swinging arm around the head. I naturally tackle around chest height. I don't actually think that's that's a terrible thing. I think when you get really good tacklers going low, like you've explained to him, you do get this thing when there's, like, competing body heights. Now, as a high tackler, I'm never going to compete on a body type. I'm probably going to wrap around the waist. I'm probably going to give... Sorry, from like an over, you know, how can I say, from a standing position around the waist get, and and get, and give up the game line. What will happen is exactly as you've said. These players will just continually go lower and lower and lower, and there's nowhere else to go. You will be causing more collisions. And we said that. And the reason we said that is because we know rugby. We have played. We've it played more, rugby multiple is, years, and, and it's also like the anatomy of a human body. And we've played rugby, and we understand. I would never ever want to leave my solar plexus open for someone to smash. <laughs> yeah. Because it's where all my internal organs are. It's where all my most vulnerable and softest parts nice of my bit, body nice are. Nice soft yeah. bit, Lovely yeah. soft bit. So, those, so, those enticing ribs, Tim. Yeah. Ooh, yeah. I can and just also, see them. So, so someone, if someone goes for that, I think it's probably millions of years of evolution as much as 20 odd years playing rugby it's i'm gonna get my forearm and my shoulder and in the way of the part of the and drop tackler it low, exactly. and drop it lower and to actually, stop my solar plexus you know there's nothing you really want more than a high tackle you can get a hand into their chest and then get around them or create the weak shoulder you know it's a nightmare when you get a really good, good tackler he gets underneath you and then he lifts you from the ground. And I don't mean in a dump tackle way. So you've got no purchase on your feet. And then you start getting marched backwards because you're almost tipping like your centre of gravity has been tipped backwards. It's a nightmare. You can't do a single thing about it. So you're almost legislating. You're almost making it legislate. So I'll give you a, a, another example of this. So the most effective version, the most dangerous version of the tackle is now how people tackle. And I'll give you an, an, another example of this. They wanted to depower the driving more. So what they said is, when you all gather around into the mall, you can't you can't move back yourself. You've got to pass the ball back. Moving back is easier, but passing the ball back creates a stronger mall. It's harder to do. So statistically, it is less likely to result in a in a successful mall. 
But if you get it right, it's actually a more powerful way to do it. So they've legislated a weaker way of mauling, which people do because it's easier, in order to get a stronger maul. Actually, the legislation makes it makes teams better mauling teams. Does that make sense? It is the exact opposite to what they intended. But it, it is actually good, as in it's being used to effect. It's creating more stable but stronger mauls. If that yeah, makes sense, that, yeah. so mauls yes, are less exactly. likely. So mauls, so it is. It's it's had the opposite effect, but that has had unintended consequences of being opposite, but has actually had the intended consequence of making it more stable. Therefore, it's safer. Uh, well, does that I, make sense? I'm not sure if it was a safety thing. I think it was they wanted to depower style them all. style of game thing. Yeah, I thought they wanted to depower them. So all. why are they? Not, if, if that was the case, how come they've not done anything more to try and change think, the change? The people that make the laws, okay. The, the panels of experts, and by the way, they're the only people that are winning. The people, you know, you know the, the legions of people employed to be experts and then parade around podcasts to tell us things we already knew. They don't then go back and look at this. And go, oh, by the way, the mall is actually more powerful, and, and, and the people on Twitter who get to tell to get to you know sit righteously and 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 tell us why we're wrong for criticizing. The, meddling with the laws. Yeah. So, there, you know, there's a certain things in there when you get into a Twitter argument and people don't even bother arguing with you. Link, let me see your evidence. I've, I've stopped doing that now because I know what I know and that and that <laughs> will be that. Well, you, you, um, are, you are talking about the experts. So you, you have read the uh, World Rugby analysis on this, haven't you? Of course not. Why would I bother? <laughs> because I know what... You know, it, I'll, I'll give you another example. Okay? New Zealand came out with a, with a report uh, the other day because school number... You know, uh, school participation is Decli- declining. Declining. School, declining school participation in rugby union. Yeah, I do not need to pick up that report because as soon as I read the words inclusivity and accessibility, we can basically throw it in the bin because these these <laughs> these things weren't even around when well, people were all so playing rugby. Well, well, do you know then, Do you know who was on the panel of experts? Oh, uh, what, list, for, for what? Guess. For what? For which? James? For, for, for which? To make to make the to, players. The, yes. the who's who? Yes. The who's who? Yeah. So when you're flippantly throwing around these e- experts. It was current former players, current and former coaches. This is the World Rugby. This is the World Rugby trying to make the decision, which led to the World, the RFU Championship uh, Cup trial. I I don't mind the trial. I I don't mind the trial. I'm glad it's been it's been lobbed out for the group stages. So, so the the trial the trial's great. It's the being flippant around the the process that they've got to this decision around that frustrates me a little bit because people are genuinely doing this for the right reasons. Are they though? Well, so have you read the report? No. no, no. So I'm what do you think? What do you think? Yes. So what do you think the reasons that they're trying to do it for are for? I think primarily. Okay. So this is you're not going to find find this in the paper, but certainly for concussions, they are doing it to show they've made proactive steps in order to avoid a huge lawsuit. Which so one part of it is lawsuit. The other side of exactly that point is to make it safer to stop people from getting concussions. And yeah. you, you might be cynical and say, yeah, lawsuit, you might take it the positive way and say, yes, we want to make it safer. Yeah, but this is insane. I mean, if you want to make it make it safer, <laughs> I mean, we're three guys in a basement, and we can tell you right now, without any uh, you know, without any scientific background, that will make it more... Three, make more, three, three virgins well, in a living room. Yeah, three, <laughs> three virgins <laughs> in a bedroom. Right? In a, in a, <laughs> and I can tell you, before it even happened, oh, yeah, that's going to result in more concussions. I didn't need well, to write a paper. So... You say more concussions. What happened on the first time this study was well, run? Well, this is interesting. So the under-20s, apparently, didn't actually come up with the same results. Correct. It had almost exactly the opposite result. They were reduced to the tune of about two-thirds. 
So we've had two very small sample sizes of study, 136 games, 130 game, both having completely opposite results, both within what would expected to be normal standard deviations. Now, interestingly, so my me looking at this, I think we can't draw, draw any conclusive uh, results yeah, from this, exactly as you're trying to do, because they're far too small. Yeah. One thing I would say that is would suggest the movement in both directions is in the under-20s World Cup, they would have been training and playing that game, those rules entirely. In the Premiership Rugby Cup, you'd go from one week playing old rules to another week playing new rules, training in both directions. That's never going to help. That, that is going to cause confusion. That's fair. But I, I just don't like the idea of using this to prove a point, yes. a narrative, yes. in either direction. I yes. don't think you should do it. I think we need to, I think we need to try and do this, this kind of stuff. I think we should try, I think we should endeavour to make the game safer. And I'm not talking about... <sighs> All right, do you, know what, do you know what, do you know what, I, I think you're right. And, and not wanting to get into the discussion, but the lack of nuance in political discussions, for example, at the minute, especially on Twitter, like, yeah, go for it, Jay. <laughs> <laughs> Like, if if people that have a strong opinion about Brexit, for example, take any <laughs> take any bit of evidence, they they ignore the they ignore things which um, show a contrary point of view, and they amplify anything which backs up what they've already predetermined their yeah. decision was. I don't like that. No, in this that, scenario, and, at and all. that in this scenario is wrong. And so, yeah, you're right. Nuance is important, and because there is nuance, and there is tr- there is two things but can just, be true. Look, I just think there is a process, and the process always skews to one. I, you know, the only thing which surprised me about this study is that it actually came out with something which I agree with. Other than that, I was almost certain. So, you know, that kind of cuts in their favour. But almost every study about mm. rugby has come out unanimously uh, to the way that I would expect it to. And you can almost prejudge what they're going to say. I mean, like the New Zealand one, which I wanted to talk, talk about before, that is clearly and obviously wrong. You know, it isn't about accessibility and it isn't about... Inclusion. What, the, the numbers of school children? Yeah. Yeah, yeah. So uh, on, I saw that study and, and again, it's like, where's... The, that story had such... And that analysis of the, that data had such a lack of nuance. It's like you haven't... They haven't factored in a multitude of other possible reasons why the amount of rugby union has declined in schools. They've just... It was people that had a... We believe this already. There's that number. We can make that fit what we want to say, inclusivity, accessibility, exactly. that's it. Here's some buzzwords. Can you make it more inclusive, please? What does of, that it, even could, mean? it could be there's been a massive push from it's a, from football yeah. as a union to try and get more people yeah. participating. That's going to take kids from somewhere. So who knows? And the point is there's, there's multi-factor actually, ways of looking at all this. That's, isn't that the whole point of rugby? It is inclusive. Uh, it's one of, the th- one of the reasons why we love it. I mean, I, uh, I, uh, I, I play it. Um, Phil plays it. We are, if you look at us, in totally different, totally different <laughs> body shapes. Uh, there are men far, far taller, far, far broader than me, far smaller than me. You know that is it's about as inclusive as it gets. Of course, we're not talking about that type of in, type of inclusive, inclusivity. That takes us down a different rabbit hole. And, and if nonsense. And if you want, if you want to talk about it, is a potential curveball which I think could affect rugby union moving forward and linking in this concussion thing and the story from New Zealand about a lower participation in rugby union in general. Is that how soft parents are yep. now? 
how protective and how like helicopter parents who try and avoid any risk with their kids. I see it with, with, uh, you know, my, my kids friends like the, like what, what, how, what age were you when you walked to the shop right, to go yeah. and to go and get a pint of milk and had Eight, to cross a few roads. 18, 19. <laughs> I, I, I remember You're a special being, case though, JP. <laughs> I, I remember being six. Yeah. Five, oh God, six, I wasn't, six, I definitely seven. wasn't that young. I, I lived a long way from a shop. Yeah. But d- d- nine, certainly. You, you, you go and play in the woods. Eight, eight nine. You go, yeah, 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 go yeah. to the park and have a kick yeah, around yeah. and be gone all day and go back for tea. Yeah. Like, so that whole, the way that, the, the, I'm not, sorry, this has gone broader than I wanted to, but, <laughs> We're going, but, but, no, but the point is that's going to affect rugby union massively when you look at the, the safety in rugby combined with the whole way that kids are parented. They're wrapped in cotton wool that, that they don't go to the park with their mates on their own. So God, a lot, of parents, are never gonna, a lot of parents are never going to let their kids on a rugby enough. field. Ridiculous. Because there's a risk involved. Yeah. Can't possibly have a risk. Yeah. So, you know, I can sort of, you can sort of guess what these things are going to say before they come out. But well, in fairness, yeah. this study. So that, that's an interesting question, actually, because, so I know, I know you are very cynical about experts. Very. Um, and I know you were very cynical about this whole Except study. For my expertise, I might add. Yes. Yeah. Ironically. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> you are the ultimate technocrat in everything. Exactly. Um, so, no, having seen that it has given a result, or certainly this element of the trial has given a result, which is contrary to what people, what you would have expected the people running the result, running the test would have wanted, does that at least give you some confidence does, in the process? Because that's, I do actually have some confidence that these things are being done for the right reason. I know, I know. Um, yes, sort of. Is the answer. Which, which is which in my mind is a step in the right direction it is because i now know that you know it, it might it might actually come to some reasonable conclusion whereas before i was co- totally convinced this is going down you know one uh one road and it's one way with no return uh good, actually- good. I'm, no i am glad you're you're at least moving in that direction so now we've established that i am an expert in conclusion if there is one thing to take out of this podcast it is it is jb's level of expertise in everything (laughs) no matter how ill-informed he is on that subject (laughs) correct Uh, so you know we've uh, we've uh, got experts to look at you know categorized tackles and you know uh poor is talking about banning two-man tackles now, and you know, there's a lot of change in the game. And uh, Someone I spoke to the other day only wanted to go down to, you know, wanted to drop an, an extra man, so it goes down to a 14-man game. There's been talk of removing flankers from scrums. By the way, that's a controversy that disappeared. Remember when, when, the, when, the, when the scrum was the second most powerful thing after the Large Hydron Collider? <laughs> I mean, that seems to have disappeared completely, that chat now. Scrums are now complete, completely safe. Um I I I would get rid of. I would go back down to maybe three or four subs. Yeah, three or four. Uh, sort of and changing subs. How else can you? How else can you keep the ball in play more? Ooh. I don't know. I, like for example, I would I would get rid of I just little things it. like we talked last week. Stop the the lengthening. Like make refs enforce to use it. Get the ball gone. Yep. Quick gone. Speed so the, the, speed the game up so that that you have to slim down your body weight, which provides less mass for huge collisions. So so, I, so that that the the um. Speeding the game up and having the ball in play more is quite interesting because some of the law changes that um, they've introduced over the last kind of five to ten years have led to that. 
So there's a significant increase, 20% increase, I can't remember the exact period of time, in ball in playtime, which has led to a significant increase in tackles, which you would oh, expect, which you would expect. So the article I was reading flagged this as a paradox. So you'd expect 20% more ball in playtime, 20% more tackles to lead to a 20% increase in injury rates, which it actually hasn't. The injury rates have stayed flat. There is an increase in concussions, partly potentially due to just aware general awareness. But that's quite an interesting paradox mm. that while the ball's in play more and you're not and you're getting more tackles, there someone, hasn't been an increase. Someone mentioned this to me on Twitter and I thought it was a really fair point because it's not something I, I'd thought of. I assumed that you had ball in play more, you got fitter players, smaller collisions, that kind of thing. Uh, more like um I guess Aussie rules, that sort of thing. Where you know the body shapes are getting more and more more athletic. So fortunately I do have a solution for this. I've only been talking about it for five <laughs> yeah. years. So let's get rid of the knock-on. I, I would. So in the same way, I'd these love are trialed. I'd love trial. to see it trialed. Do you th- I wonder, could we actually make this happen? Yeah. So we've been talking about it since I, you. I know. Ma- ma- the first time JB mentioned it, me and Phil laughed our heads off. Yeah. Then we sat with it and thought with it for a bit and thought, you know what? There's and, actually some sense in this. And talk through because you keep the deliberate knock-on yellow as, call as bye. Yeah, because when, when I've been discussing this with people, a lot of their immediate reactions, in, David Flatman was exactly the same when we were discussing it with him, his immediate reaction was, well, what's to stop you just like throwing the, throwing the ball forward or, or intentionally doing it? Well, first of all, there's a the deliberate knock-on. Secondly, you can do pretty much that with a grubber kick, yep. which is very effective, but teams don't do it all the time. Uh, yeah, the forward pass law stays exactly as it is. Yep. Forward pass is still a scrum. But accidental knock-ons play on. You could have a caveat, which is unless it immediately leads to a try. I mean, which you, yeah, which is one of the things you well, did. Okay, discuss. so you can use the lines. You could say knock-ons do still count in in the twenty twos. Uh, so if you're attacking, oh, I, I don't like do that. that. That change like in law depending on where you are on the no, pitch. I don't, I don't like, like the mock. The mock yeah, it, that. Yeah. But when that happens, it is. So that and kicking for touch out of the 22, yep. there is normally no one else around. So it's a very simple scenario that the ref's so, looking at. Yeah. In this, in what you're describing, would be a very complicated... If you the 22 or over the five metre, if it's a knock-on, it's over the five metre. point is, if it's accidental, but, you know, like you're, you're, you're yeah. stopping the game, having a scrum, there's maybe a minute and a half. If there's a couple of reset scrums, you could even have as much as three minutes. More, or because yeah. someone's just knocked it on. Actually, first dive on the ball, re- reset, yeah. off you and, go. You know, if you're really worried about maintaining... It's like a fumble in American football. Yeah, so it, the it, most simple version of it is there are there are zero knock-ons, exactly as you said, Tim, as a fum, a fum, like a fumble in the NFL. There is an NFL team in the world that wants its running backs to fumble the ball. Yeah. In fact, you lose your job for fumbling the ball. So the idea it rewards talentless players just isn't, yeah. isn't correct. It's it nonsense. It is not correct. Because you will be knocking the ball towards the opposition. Yeah. So you... And it's a turnover. Well, well it's just, a, it's just your, your... If you do it deliberately, then it's a penalty. Yeah, yeah, if you do off. it accidentally, you have no control over where yeah, that's, yeah. that's happening. And the yeah. ball will be rolling towards the opposition. So th- this, this, this sounds ridiculous, but I genuinely would love... Can we leverage our influence to try and get someone to even consider it no because we're not experts we need to convene a panel of at least 80 80 experts <laughs> and then you get several academics yeah, and they I'm, can only actually do it once they've uh, toured various podcast studios would you be willing to just let some other expert have this as that have their name on it and get all the no, glory no um <laughs> i mean that is one thing i'm very strict on uh 
I think it has to be named after me in some way. Yeah, like the GB Cup. Exactly right, exactly right. Uh, other than that, they, they can do what they want. I mean, I'm happy to let them play with the rules. Uh, another rule would be, if you knock it on, maybe all of your players are offside if you touch that ball until the opposition touch it. So, off, yeah. Off, yeah, players offside is a... Uh... You know, there, there is there is loads of variations for it. Because th- that would just be a normal offside law. Yeah. Because, like, if you kick and someone's in front of you, you are offside. offside. Exactly. So that just stays exactly the so same. If you, if you knock it on and one of your players touches it first, then it's a knock-on. Although but, you wouldn't want a weird, like, Mexican standoff. So, like, <laughs> you know, you could have a situation where you knock it on and you go, guys, the ball's there! And, you know, you sort of organise your back line because you know the opposition can't touch it. So that, it that does happen. It's still in games. If it, The accidental offside law, if a player goes yeah. for it when they're... When it's they're offside, but in, in its most simple form, I think we could increase the ball in playtime. I mean, imagine five minutes of- decrease the number of scrums. Yeah, but mind S- you, that's not even an issue anymore, is it? When's the last time you heard someone win? win well, no, win no, no, scrum. No, no. There, there's much Stuart less scrums than there were. But the amount. Sorry, I mean like injuries in the scrum because that used to be. No, the no, big no, oh, not, yeah. not injuries, but the amount yeah. of the amount of like scrums. If you look at the old videos, and I'm not saying it should be like the old days. I understand why they changed this, the the process in the scrum to make it safer, and that has worked. Crouch, touch, all the all bind, that bind and gate, all, all of that. Bind, gate, and whatever it is. I get it. Yeah. I get it. I get it, and that's fine. However, it takes a minute or. A minute and a half. You have ten scrums a game. That is one eighth of your game gone. gone. Mm. Assuming there's no resets. Yeah, yeah, you're absolutely right. Um, so, where do scrums come in? Because if you completely eliminate the scrum, there's no need well, for forward, forward pass. Okay, restarts. And, uh, and so you could still yeah forward take it from penalties. Forward pass and yeah use it as a penalty weapon. Um, you know, it does. Exactly. I'd love to see the scrum being used more as a penalty weapon in order to run back moves off it. Yeah. Because it, it hardly ever is unless a team is really dominant and they don't run a backs move, they'll just scrum, 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 penalty And try. if you change the, the, the pace of the game and decrease it, someone who, if you have a really powerful scrummager, they're gonna be, their value is going to go right up again because it'll be premium, be real premium. If you've got a guy that can be athletic... And so I wonder scrummage. if you're going to get more Taburns... Taburns? Tigburns. Tigburns. Hang on, is that the right guy? Tigfurlong. Tigfurlong. <laughs> Thank you. Um, who is a great scrummager, but primarily a ball carrier? He does everything. Tyburn does everything. Yeah, he would, actually. In fact, that's probably a bad example, because he does do everything. Um, but this will reduce size of players. It has to. Yeah, it would. It has to. Mm. That's a little... I, I quite enjoyed going down that wormhole. I didn't expect to, but there you go. So it's one we've not actually discussed for probably a, a, at least six months, maybe longer. Well, we'll wait We'll wait for the next ridiculous review when they... Uh, you're only allowed to use one arm to tackle. I, I know something. what we should do to follow that. We should go to... We should get outraged now. As we... We should get really outraged, gents. Go on. No. Oh, okay. And go to a red card report. Yes! Hang on. <laughs> Let me just wait. Oh. Go on. Oh. It's still going. Sorry, you're still outraged from the first oh, one. Oh, no, it's Send him off! Take the psycho music out. I can't. It stop? Yeah, it stop? You can't stop it. Oh, oh, Send him off! Send the dressing gate off! Get him off the field! Nice. We're going to get smooth, slick. That are we going to get nominated yeah. for another audio and radio industry award oh, yeah, this yeah. year clearly, on the basis of that? <laughs> clearly, with that. <laughs> well, no, because there's not a major terrorist incident outside. That's what we need. Um, <laughs> the only way to win one of those awards is if you happen to be on the scene of a, you know, 
a terrorist incident or a natural disaster. <laughs> Red card report. Sorry, Here we yes. go. Terrorist incidents and natural disasters combined. Yeah. This is, I mean, so thank you. At Rugby Podcast, if there's ever a red card or a, or an outrageous incident in your game, we want to know about it so we can shame the individuals and get on Mount Pius about how awful it is. Terrible. Well, do you know, it's not a red card as such, the main talking point for this. No, but it's certainly a social red card. Uh, well, yeah, certainly frowned upon in social circles, <laughs> from my experience. Um, and this comes from Stroud Rugby Club. Well, it doesn't actually come from Stroud Rugby Club. It seems like Stroud Rugby Club were, on first glance, the perpetrators of something quite heinous. Who were they playing against? Who was that team? I don't know, uh, actually. I have heard this story and I've seen the evidence and it's disgusting, quite frankly. So, old something. Anyway, it was a West Country game. We'll, we'll fill a work Chosen out. Hill FP. Chosen Hill, that's it. Chosen, Chosen Hill, Hill, which that, is based that, around Bristol. I'm not being funny. Chosen Hill sounds like one of the nicest private schools in California. Doesn't it? It sounds like you know you you would you spend a, a couple of million quid on a house in Chosen School, Chosen Hill, and uh, your kids would go to school there and they become Hollywood executives. Well, that's not what we're hearing. We're hearing that they are um, they are a tough team to play. Let's put it the chosen <laughs> ones. No, not the chosen ones. Stroud. Allegedly, no, no, not Chosen Hill. Men to be the ones that. Oh, who are the perpetrators? Are, uh, who are the perpetrators? Well, no, no. Stroud were that Stroud, the Stroud was a re- reaction to playing against Chosen Hill, wasn't it? No, it was Cho- Chosen Hill. Yeah. Tweeted a picture of the dressing room that Shroud Rugby oh. left. Yes, and Stroud Rugby left a dirty protest behind in the changing room on the tiled floor. Someone had uh, pinched a loaf on the floor and left it. <sighs> That's horrible. <laughs> that is like one of those have, horrible things I have, I, I think I've, I've ever come across. Yeah, I mean, it's not quite a, a football fan slashing the face of another one with a knife, as it happened with Millwall Everton, but it's, it's in rugby terms, that's a pretty unsavoury incident. Uh, yeah, I've never heard of anything even remotely similar. Have you? No. Tim? Bub- no. Bubbling? It- oh, yeah. <laughs> I, I yeah, guess, I guess that I mean, is kind of... I mean, that's, that's, that's your own Yeah, milk. that's yourself. <laughs> yeah. No, that doesn't really harm anyone just, else. Can I just suggest you put safe search on if you want to find out what bubbling is? Just um, safe search on if you're at work. Yeah, yeah do, well, do not search at work for, for a start. <laughs> who, who was the rugby player that got... It, it was, was a rugby, rugby league player in Australia. Yeah, Australian rugby league. league player. An Australian rugby league player. <laughs> it wouldn't surprise me if this was an Australian rugby league player. <laughs> so yeah, Stroud left a, allegedly left a dirty yes. protest on the floor of the dressing rooms at Chosen Hill. But I thought we heard from our sources that Chosen Hill were... Uh, they were uh, no. It was Stroud were allegedly quite tasty. Oh, okay. Uh, oh, sorry. I I, I apologise, Chosen Hill. I do apologise. But yeah, we've heard from other sources that that uh, Stroud are can be um, challenging to play against. I put it like that. Well, yeah. You know, there's nothing wrong being well being challenging to play against. I mean, abrasive. I really, abrasive is yeah, always very good. abrasive. Very. I played a game this a game this week against uh, West Park St Helens. Tough bunch of boys beat us fair and square. I was convinced that I was bit on 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 the back of the neck, and I was also kneed in the face four times by their hooker while scrimmaging. So you know you do <laughs> while get... scrimmaging. Yeah. So God, he's got some sort of a... flexibility. What well, no, sort of was... position did you get yourself into? I was tight prop. 
So you still got some. You must have been hinging yeah, at the I mean, waist. It on is that. literally the most stupid thing to do because you can never hurt someone because you can't really get any purchase through the knee. So I'm just getting this like fat hammy leg, like <laughs> softly into my face. I'm thinking this is ridiculous because if anyone sees you, you're getting an instant red. Like there's no damage and there's all the downside to it. And then I'm sure I'm sure I'm gonna not. I'm not going to say definitively I, I, I got bit on the back of the neck, but it certainly felt like someone was nibbling my neck. <laughs> I thought, oh, God damn it. Not seductively. No, 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 it wasn't. So, yeah, it's one thing being do tough they, to play. Do they know your no J- problem with any Do that, they know so. your JB? No idea. From egg chasers. No idea. The JB? Uh, one, one, uh, there must be players you've played against who know. Yeah, Birkenhead has played. Uh, well, you've seen us. You've seen our download numbers. They must know. Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Uh, about one fifth of uh, Stephen Jones's apparently. Um, one fifth, one hundredth. One, yeah, one one hundredth. Yeah, oh, is that what he says? Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. All right. um, half a million subscribers, mate. Yeah, I well, have well, they, against... they must have more than half a million subscribers if 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 we're only one fifth of their numbers. So. Yeah. Anyway, trying crazy. Yeah. Um, I played against Birkenhead Park once and someone told me to stick to podcasting and he probably had a good point. <laughs> I, I wasn't playing particularly well. Um, I don't you know. No, I, I tend not to advertise the fact when I'm, um, when I'm playing for obvious reasons. <laughs> but they know you play for Tok H and they know who they're playing. Yeah. yeah the, mi- the mighty Tok H is in the, in the, in the, in the North West now. Yes. <laughs> oh, yeah. Byron was certainly saying how mighty they were. He's terrified. He's terrified. <laughs> if you haven't listened to it already, listen to our Six Nations podcast featuring Byron McGuigan, who is a rival head coach of a Northwest rugby side, and there was some beef. <laughs> <laughs> They'd be beefing. That's all I'll say. Exactly. Anything else uh, to cover off in domestic terms? Uh, not from the red card report, no, but if you do have any red card in the instance, let us know it, ASAP. It was, a, it was a relatively red card light weekend, except for... Reth- um, uh, Renato Bothmer. Oh yeah, he got a red card. I didn't see for, it. Something, but I don't know what for. For Quinns, I, I like him. It. I think he's a really, really good player. Abrasive. Can he? He needs Hard to. Runner. He needs to lend his arm guards to Billy Vanapola. Bosh! Just look, and maybe, look after Billy's know, arms. Maybe he had it coming. Because if you write smash on your arm guard, <laughs> maybe, <laughs> maybe. Well, concuss. He's just a big fan of. Uh, Pre-packaged mashed potato. Exactly right. Exactly right. Hey, h- uh, hell of a sponsor. <laughs> should, uh, we, should we go and have a life? Yeah. Have we got anything else to cover <sighs> off? I feel like... Ten, uh, ten to midnight on a Sunday. And no one else will forward to. I think we've covered everything. You're not watching the Royal Rumble? Is it on tonight? I think so. Yeah, there was something on Twitter. Oh, I like, I like the Phil backtracking. Is it always oh, on Twitter? Oh, I think so. <laughs> it's on Twitter. Not, I might have seen something but earlier. Phil, sure. you don't have Twitter. <laughs> Always lurking. <laughs> Always watching. Excellent. Well, there you go. In the cesspit. Ex- ex- special expert edition of the Egg Chasers Ruby podcast for your midweek commute. Yes. Uh, so there you go. Um, there's domestic rugby this weekend. Blah, blah, blah. Whatever. I don't know. I don't know what's going on. Six Nations. Enjoy Six did Nations. We, did we actually do our predictions for the Six Nations? Do we? Do, are we going to do a a pre-Six Nations podcast when the teams are out which yeah, will be Thursday that. night oh but my god triple promise download that's only, numbers get in that's only valid for one day get me that download cash um, yeah fine I, should I, we do I that do it. oh I know what I'm going to say to finish the podcast get yourself uh, fill your life up with as much toxic, toxic masculinity as oh, four yes. quid oh, can get oh yes become a horrible human being and buy a razor <laughs> <laughs> that isn't a Gillette one Joking. <laughs> uh, obviously, uh, we love cornerstone razors, and we love razors that will not 
try and make you feel like you should hand over your penis in exchange for it. <laughs> no, in fact, in fact, you can get an extra weighty shaft. <laughs> and, uh, yes, JB, an extra weighty shaft. So I- ignore the cornerstone identity politics and well, any politics of any nature. It's a flipping razor. It's a flipping razor. The most important thing is, how does it shave your face? Cornerstone razors shave your face incredibly well, better than any we've had. And because you listen to us, you get an amazing offer. You get a weighty aluminium shaft with your initials engraved on it. I was joking about the other stuff, by the way, just to be clear. <laughs> just, I was joking, clearly joking. Yeah. Tell your HR department that. Cornerstone.co.uk. <laughs> HR department. <laughs> Cornerstone.co.uk slash egg. It's cornerstone.co.uk slash egg. Oh, egg 10 at checkout. Six amazing cornerstone razors in a presentation box with a weighty aluminium shaft, which you get for free initialed with your initials because you listen to us. Get involved. Well done. Are we still doing any spoke advertising? No. Why? Do you want a new pair of trousers? They were very nice. They are very nice they trousers. Were, they were lovely. <laughs> they're, they're my, one of my favourite sponsors. I mean, I've got... Actually, my favourite sponsor was Leo Vegas by Country Mile. <laughs> <laughs> uh, but, you know, I, I'd like, I'd like you, some more spoke trousers if, if you're listening. They were very good. Yep. Such a good fit. Yeah, lovely fit. They were an incredible fit. I wore some at the weekend. Right. Let's right, Okay. 